Philippians 2, verses 14 to 18. Philippians 2, verse 14 to 18, this is our scripture. Again, we're trying to learn as a church from the Apostle Paul in the epistle of Philippians and help us as a church and help us as individuals and have joy in times of maybe confinement. And that's what you see in Paul, and that's one of the themes here. But today, again, we're going to take another look about doing life without murmurings and disputings. Philippians 2, 14 to 18, notice, do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Here you see Paul telling us what to live without here. And here you see him having joy, knowing that um, if, and that is, uh, if this church would do this, if this church would live without murmurings and disputings, they would be a good witness. It would cause an increase in joy for him. And this, this whole passage reminds me again of, of what can we do life without? What can we do without in life? What if you had somebody say, all right, you're going to be gone for one month and you have 30 minutes and I'm taking you, you're going to, I'm putting you in my car and I'm dropping you off in the middle of the forest somewhere and all you can take is the clothes you're wearing and whatever you can fit in a backpack. You have 30 minutes, go. You'd be like, is this a reality TV show? What is this? You know, <laughs> you know that's what you'd say. Again, if somebody just said, you have 30 minutes, I'm taking you, I'm going to drop you off in the middle of the forest, you have your clothes on your back and there's a backpack, Go in your house, get whatever you, can, whatever you can put in there, whatever you want to take, but you can't take anything beyond that. What would you take? What would you take? Can I take my cell phone? You know, weapon, uh, probably, uh, you know, what, no food. Yeah you, might, yeah, you might need a weapon to figure out, you know, some fishing stuff, gear, stuff it in there, uh, some extra clothes. I don't know. Uh, I haven't thought about it either. I just thought about it when I was sitting there, so I don't know what I would take. Uh, but you, like, I would have to think, what could I do here? What, what, what could I? The idea is, what can I live without? And what can I? What is it? I absolutely have to have to live for that next month. And it would again say, therefore, also, what could you live without? And there's a lot of things we can live without um, materially as Americans, but um, you know, relationally and spiritually, we can live without this this thing here. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. You've probably heard the funny little thing about the guy. The, 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 the guy was, went to the monastery, you know, he decided uh, a guy joined, this is a joke, okay. A guy joins a monastery, that, that, that's a hint for laugh later, okay, at the end. A guy joins a monastery, takes a vow of silence, and, um, but he's allowed to say two words after every seven years. Uh, so he's in the monastery, and he does his first seven years, and he hasn't spoken. He comes before the, the, uh, the elders, leaders of the monastery, and they're basically, all right, here you can say your two words. And he says his two words, his two words are cold floors. All right. They nod. They send him back. Goes another seven years. He lives seven years in silence there in his monastery as a monk. Comes back after seven years. They're like, all right, you got your two words. The first two were cold words or cold cold floors, his next two, he clears his throat and says, 
bad food. All right, they write that down. Okay, that's all right. Go ahead. He leaves. Seven more years pass. And another, you know, seven more years, he comes back to the, to the elders and they hear him and want to know what he has. His two words he can say in those, next, those seven years, his next two words were, I quit. <laughs> and they're like, it's no surprise. That's all you've done since you've gotten here was complain. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. you know? so, yeah. Yeah, complaining. So, you know, we complain, don't we? What do we complain about? What do we murmur about? Food. We murmur about food. We murmur about um, the referees, the neighbors. Um, we murmur about uh, the politics. I'm going to try to make a distinction on that about, again, when's it time to speak up, and we'll try to get to that here in a little bit. But we do a lot of uh, unnecessary wah, wah, wah. I, I, you've heard this statement, but it's so true. There's, a, there's probably two, there's probably, let's see, how many people are in the world? Seven billion? There's probably 600, 6.5 billion people that would love to have our problems. Yeah. Right? In the other parts of the world. I've told that sometimes to my kids. Oh, man, there's so many kids that would love to have your problems. They would love them. They'd be happy with them. What, the point is that we, we gripe about stuff. And we need to really evaluate, what am I griping about? It doesn't mean you should never speak up and say, ouch, or help, or I need to talk to this person because that's wrong. But what are we, what's the sum? Am I living with too much here, too much murmuring, too much uh, disputing? Those are the two words. Am I living with it, too much of it? Can I live without it? That's our question. Can we? And that's my whole purpose of our discussion is like, let's sort out our life here and say, can, I need to live without this murmuring and disputing in my life. And that's what we want to look at today. Let's ask a few questions. What is it? Again, we, we did this last week and uh, the week before even. Murmur is the idea of a subtle uh, expression of displeasure. It's subtle. Subtle expression of displeasure. Disputing is more of a very obvious display. Get in your face and let's fuss about this. Let's fight. That's murmuring and disputing. Um, let's ask some more questions. So murmuring and disputing is more of, it's just like being whiny and gripey and picky and fussy in a subtle way murmuring, or in an overt way, disputing. That's what it is. What causes us to be that way? What causes us to murmur and dispute? Sometimes, because I want you to, let's think about this. Why am I like this? Why do I complain? Bad communication habits. You know, sometimes we need to just communicate a little differently. Man, if you have a fuss, there's a way to express that if it needs to be expressed without blowing up or foaming at the mouth or yelling. Sometimes we have bad communication habits. The Bible talks about answering somebody. And you can answer, the wise man studieth to answer. 
Sometimes we murmur because we just haven't learned to communicate and, comp and dispute because we haven't learned to communicate maybe uh, with a tempered attitude. Why do we murmur and dispute? Um, the children of Israel, they did because they didn't have faith in the Lord. So every time they looked at something in the wilderness, they're like, ah, we're going to die. They just went through 10 gigantic, miraculous things in Egypt. And they passed through a sea with wall on each side of them. And they're in the wilderness going, we're going to die. And, the, and God says, it's because you didn't have faith. You're not having faith. And they, it was repeated. And that's why they couldn't enter the land. They didn't have faith. It was manifested in a complaining attitude. Sometimes I gripe and complain because I'm just, whatever the, the issue might be, that I'm just not trusting God to help me in this lack or whatever it is. Why? What causes murmuring and disputes? Uh, ingratitude. I've gotten into the habit of being ungrateful. Ingratitude. Unthankfulness. If, that, if that's a pattern in my life, it expresses itself in murmurings and complainings. What causes me and you to be murmurers and complainers? It could be the lack of bad communication habits, lack of faith, ingratitude. It could, there's several things, but here's just the fourth and last one I think of. It's just a rebellious attitude. We are a nation that almost makes rebels heroes. Right. That's right. Watch a, a lot of television shows, movies, the rebel is usually the hero. There's like, we have the establishment, and then there's some rebel in the movie that takes down the establishment, you know. And so we want to be the rebel in everything in our life to some bigger thing. And we, a, a rebellious attitude, a, nobody's going to tell me what to do, nobody's going to say this to me. And a rebel, rebellious attitude manifests itself in murmuring and disputing. That's what causes us to be like the children of Israel. Again, they got in the wilderness and they're like, we don't like the food. We don't have any water. We don't like Moses. You know, and they just were all over the place. Moses, you just think you're a big shot. And they, it, it was, they were picky and fussy. Ingratitude, rebellious attitude, lack of faith feeds that. That's what can cause us and you and I to be like that. Now, but what does that cause if I'm a murmurer and a, and a disputer and, and you're like that, that doesn't just end. What does that cause? There's something that causes it, but what does that cause? If I have a habit of being a murmurer and disputer, that causes blessings to be withheld from God to me. The biggest gigantic example is what I just said, Israel. They lost out. They had an amazing history. And even in the wilderness, there were some amazing things. But they lost out on a huge blessing, the older generation did. Because they had a lack of faith and murmured and disputed with God and Moses many times. And God said, fine, you're not going into the land. They had a blessing. I don't want any blessings withheld from me in my life. I, some of you may have heard this, just a quick thought. It, it, you've heard of Koei Ten Boon. Uh, Holocaust, Holocaust survivor. I got this here. Maybe some of you have heard about it. She was in uh, Ravensbrück. It was known as the worst German concentration camp during World War II. 
when she and her sister, I think her, it was an older sister, Betsy, found themselves in prison there, they were disgusted to discover that their barracks were infested with fleas. When Corey began to complain, her sister Best, Betsy insisted that they stop and just instead give thanks for their situation. Quoting 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. With some persuasion, Corey finally joined her sister in thanking God, in their case, even for the fleas. That would be hard to do. Several months later, again, they're in this concentration camp with fleas, thanking God for it. Several months later, the two sisters were expressing their surprise that the camp guards would never came into their part of their barracks and disrupt their evening Bible studies that they were holding for the other prisoners. And as they were reflecting back on it, they realized, Corey said she realized that the fleas, which she had so despised, had actually been God-sent, a God-sent protection from the cruel guards. The guards didn't want to go in there. They, they know there are fleas in there too. And that's how they... That's what they believe, the reason why they didn't come in there. So if I, but if I'm a, but if I, but if I have a habit of murmuring and complaining, I have God's blessings withheld. It causes withheld blessings, but the reverse is true. If I learn to deal with my dismays and my whining, crying attitude and communicate more effectively or just thank God and deal with it, I, I'm opening myself to God's blessings. What does a murmurer and disputer sin lifestyle cause? It causes God's blessings to be withheld. You know what else it causes? Numbers 14, verses 1 and 2, it says it causes others to be like that. Did you know, like in the children of Israel, they're in the wilderness. They sent out spies to go check out the land. They checked out the land. They came back. Twelve spies came back. They reported to the children of Israel, this, the two, the two, two of them were Caleb and Joshua, like, this is going to be hard, but we can do it. And the other ten said, they can't do it. We can't do it. They're giants. We're grasshoppers. It's just, oh, oh, we can't do it. Ten had no faith and doubted God, even though God promised them, you're going to get the land. They didn't believe it. The two said, we can do it. Now, Numbers 14, verse 1, that's Numbers 13. That's the story. Numbers 14, verse 1 and 2 says, Then all the children of Israel went, They lifted up their voice and cried. That's what it says. All the children of Israel lifted up their voice and cried. They murmured against God and against those. We can't do it. You're right. We can't. See, the problem, the idea is this. If I have a habit of being like a, this hypercritic or complainer, uh, this chronic complainer, Murmur, disputer, it's going to spread. <laughs> it causes what's the cause? It causes it to spread to others, and uh, it'll get to other people. And in this case, the ten spread their complaining to perhaps the two million. And so, boy, I don't, I don't want to spread this stuff. Hinders. Here's another thing. What does it cause? It hinders others. It hinders otherwise close relationships. I'm going to quickly refer to a couple scriptures. So there's a cause for it. There's something it causes. If I tend to be a murmurer and complainer, disputer, the Bible says as a few examples that, all right, 
there's like three scriptures that I, that I, that I don't know. The, there's one reference, Proverbs 21.9. There's others. That says, it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a brawling woman in a white house. Better dwell up in your attic than with a fussy, contentious wife. It says it like three times in Proverbs, picking on the wife. That's Solomon, okay? If you, if ladies, you have to just deal with him on that. I know we, men can be fussy too. I know that. But it says that in this case, it, it's like the guy, just hide. The point is, if she's fussy, contentious, complaining, fussy, contentious, brawling, complaining, what is she doing? She's hurting her own relationships. This guy does not want to be around her. And Solomon told him it's okay not to. Go hide in the attic. Go run in the wilderness. Camp out over there. Go have your man cave somewhere. That's what Solomon's saying. What's the point? All the Nobody wants... How many like to be friends with just a fussy person? Fighting, disputing, murmuring. No, no. It's like, this is not fun. You know... It, it, so what does it cause? Being a murmurer or complainer, it causes otherwise close relationships to be distanced from you. I don't want somebody to be, I want people to want to be around me. I want my wife to want to be around me, my kids. I don't want to get in the habit where when my boys and my girls are around me that they, they always hear me critiquing everything. I, I know I need to parent, and I know I need to say this is right, this is wrong. I know that, that's part of it. But I don't want it to where it's like all I'm doing is pull down, pull down, pull down, complain, complain. My kids are not going to want to be around me. And if they still stay around me, they're going to pick up on that and they're going to spread that attitude. They'll be better to stroll in the wilderness than a fussy dad, they'll think. All right, so there's another scripture, Philippians 2, that we just read. It says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Why? What's the effect? What is the cause? Verse 15, it says that you may be, that is, it may cause that you could be blameless and harmless. I want to be felt to be harmless when, I'm, when people are around me. And I'm not going to bite somebody's head off. And I'm not going to trash somebody. If, even if I have something corrective to say, I have it in a constructive way. If I'm a murmurer and disputer, then I'm not going to be blameless and harmless. I'm going to be looked at as that guy's always fussing and don't be around him. You never know what it's going to say to you. Do you see how that He's like, it's no big deal that I complain. It's just a bad habit. Yeah, but you might be pushing close people away from you. And so the next question, what causes it, we said. What does it cause? And then the last, the third thing, which we worked on a little bit last week, is what can I do about it? What can I do about the propensity to be a complainer? What can I do about it? Because we can do something, and we can live without it. So here's some scriptures and some points, few of them we already looked at. Number one, we should look at it as a sin and confess it as a sin. We can rise above this type of thing. Confess and ad- admit and confess it as a sin. The way forward with God, with anything, first starts with confess your sins, and you can move forward with God. Proverbs 28, 13, He that hideth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So whatever my sin is, whether it's like a pastor, I don't have that as a sin today. Well, if it's something else, confess and forsake. I don't care if you have to do it three or four times a day. You'll have mercy with God. The way forward with God is confession. God has very little to say to you and I today beyond the last thing you refuse to confess. I mean, the way forward with God is confession. So if this is your issue today and you need to live without it, confess it. Confess it to the Lord. Uh, Number two, accept responsibility for your own choices. 
Sometimes we complain about things that are really the result of our own choices. You know, the Bible says every man should bear his own burden. You know, Paul said that in Galatians 6, 5. Every man should bear his own burden. If somebody gave you something, it's your deal, it's your responsibility, it's your burden, bear it and hush about it. Every man should bear his own burden. You know how Jesus is going to judge us? Every man according to his works, according to his deeds. He's going to judge you about what you did. Sometimes we complain because it's a way of shifting blame for our own problems. Number three, how can I live without it? I need to learn to admit it. I need to learn to accept responsibility for my own choices. Number three, we need to realize it's okay to leave an argument. We talked about that last week. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 3, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. It is an honor for a man to just at some point, all right, I'm just going to walk away from this argument. This is fruitless. Rather than, you know what, I just want to keep fucking with you. I want to keep going on this thing. It's an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool just keeps going and going and meddling and meddling. That's what Proverbs 23 says. So let's realize that. Sometimes you don't have to keep disputing. You don't have to keep chit-chatting about it. Just leave it on the table and walk away. Number four, how can I live without murmurings and disputings? Realize it's okay to calmly confront somebody with a concern. Follow me. We talked about this, but I want to dig into this a little more. Again, follow me to Leviticus 19.17. This is where we can kind of distinguish what maybe some of you are questioning in your mind. Does that mean I don't say anything? But anything, just let, just let people walk all over me, huh? No, that's not what it means. No, that's not what it means. Look in Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19 and verse 17. And the point here we're getting is how to live without murmuring and complaining. It involves calmly confronting someone when you have a concern. Leviticus 19, verse 17. Thou shalt not... Hate thy brother in thine heart. So there's two parts to this verse. The first part of this verse is God saying to Israel, and it's still timeless for us, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. Okay? That's that feeling. That's that sentiment. Do not hate them. Yeah, but pastor, they're... There's something they're doing, and thou shalt... Okay, but don't hate them. Well, then here's what you do about it, if there's something bad they're doing. Thou shalt, verse 17, in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. Pause right there. That means, to paraphrase it, it means, okay, by all means directly confront your neighbor. Don't hate the person that's... Maybe they are constantly pouring oil on your, you know, on your driveway. I don't know. Maybe they're constantly blowing their leaves into your lawn and you just hate them and you hate them, but you're not saying anything. So the, the Old Testament advice is do not hate them in your heart. You should by all means directly confront him and not, the last part, suffer sin upon him. That phrase actually means don't let, you should you directly confront them versus going on and let yourself continue sinning by hating them and not talking to them about it. Did you see that? So, in other words, if somebody's doing wrong to you and you just hate and you hate and hate, but you haven't confronted, you are sinning also. Because you're hating without confronting to, to, to help at least uh, deal with that hate at that level. All right, thou shalt not, thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor, not suffer sin upon him. 
So the point is, it's okay to calmly confront someone with a concern versus grumble behind their back. Do I do that? Do I, do I know how to confront somebody with a concern? Does anybody have a concern with right now? It's okay to come. The Bible even talks about in Matthew about, you know, in the church, if you have a brother that has odd against you and you know he has odd against you, you leave your gift, you go talk to him, try to your best to reconcile, and then the reverse is true. If a brother had sinned against you and you have an odd against him, you have to go and try to deal with that as well. So it's okay to calmly confront with a concern. Number five, uh, practice the alternative. How do I live without murmurings and disputings? If I, if, I, if I give this up, what else can I say now? I'm just used to saying stuff. You can say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> That's the alternative. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In every scenario, find something to say thank you, Lord, about. Now, the Corey Ten Boone and her sister were really extra spiritual because they even said, be able to say thank you about the fleas. What I would have done, and I would be like, well, it's thank you that they haven't eaten me yet. Okay? Um, I'm not sure I'm thankful for them. On hindsight, I can see how they were. But in everything, say, God, thank you. In everything, give thanks. And that helps, you know, uh, it gives us a replacement thing to say instead of griping. All right, bless the Lord, O my soul, David says. Number six, what, how can I live without murmurings and disputings? Number six, and we didn't talk about these next three, is lit, look for God's hand in your situation. And that, Corey Ten Boone and her sister definitely, in hindsight, saw God's hand in their situation. Well, those fleas kept those, those uh, rascally Nazis out of our barracks. Look for God's hand in your situation. That helps you not to murmur and complain. You're like looking around, wait, wait, is God working something together here? Good for good in this. Did you know that date, uh, one of the Romans 8, 28 of the Old Testament is Genesis 5, 50, verse 20. When Joseph was now in Egypt, second command, his brothers came to him and his brothers were kind of afraid that, he would ex- that Joseph would exact revenge on them. And Joseph said, but as for you, you meant evil. You thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass this whole scenario today of saving our families, what he's saying. Joseph was looking, and he could have exacted revenge on his brothers. There were some hard things Joseph had to deal with by his own flesh and blood, being forsaken and lied about and forsaken and lied about in Potiphar's house and forsaken and forgotten in a prison and all kinds of stuff. And he looked at it and he goes, you know, I see God's hand in this. You thought evil against me. God meant it unto good to bring this situation to pass. Look, our whole family is safe in Egypt. There's a famine everywhere else. And I'm in second command, and I got a little, I got, I, I got some governing power on our family. Wow. He could have spent a lot of time murmuring and complaining. We don't know if he did. Look for God. My uncle, my mom's brother went through, uh, my uncle Phil, <clears throat> uh, he had some... <laughs> Boy, I could tell you a lot of stories about my Uncle Phil. In ninth grade, I wrote a paper, my Uncle Phil, and all the crazy things he did and survived. <laughs> Surviving a, a riptide and breaking his nose two or three times and breaking his ankle twice and all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, he is alive today. Uh, uh, anyways, but he, he had a major back 
oh, major back surgery had done. I don't know what it was all about, uh, but a lot of crazy stuff done to his spine. He was literally on his back for like, I don't know, a month or something in a lot of pain. He goes, because I was telling him, uncle at, at uh, Thanksgiving, I said, uncle, man, I got this. I, got, I don't know about my back. And I said, I don't know, I might have that surgery you have someday. He goes, well, he goes, I'll tell you this. It's, uh, it was the most painful thing I ever had in my life, having the surgery and recovering from it. And he didn't say it like, well, it was me. He's just saying it as a matter of fact. He goes, I was on, Michael, he goes, I was on my back literally every day, and all I could do was look up. That's all I could do. And he was saying, but here, this is what he said. I'll try to communicate the best I can. He said, that was one of the best things to happen to me for my relationship with God. Now, he was already a Christian, walking with the Lord. He's a good witness. He goes to church. But having this thing happen, he says, that just put, he goes, all I could do is pray. And I had to, I think he had audio scriptures. It was even sometimes hard to read scripture. But he says, that's all I could do. He goes, that was the best thing to happen to me, is pain, is God brought this pain in my life. And, uh, and I'm like, I don't know what that means for me, but, you know. But, the, but the, the idea is he's looking for something, oh, God brought good in this, in my pain, through my pain. He says, I just, I feel close to the Lord. There's things that I know and found and sensed about the Lord that I would not have otherwise. This is what he said. Look for God's hand in your scenario, in, in scenario, even when you're tempted to complain or murmur. Proverbs says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Number seven, how else? Two more points, actually. Learn to adapt. Learn to adapt. You know, there's a whole message. Look in chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. We're going to get to this sometime um, about contentment. I, I really like this. Contentment is a, kind of a key to what we're talking about today. Um, about, you know, you're uncomfortable. You, you don't like your situation. You don't like your state of life. You don't, you don't um, like your state of finances, your state of health, all that stuff. You can do all kinds of things to try to improve yourself and improve your health, improve your life, improve your state of relationships, your job, all that. We can do that, and that's fine. But what happens when you can't change things? Paul said, I'll tell you what happens. I've learned something, he says in Philippians 4, verses 11. Uh, he says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. The word content means auto-adapt. You know those auto-adjust things they have in your cameras and auto-pilot things they have on cars? The word means auto-adapt, self-adapt. I've learned in whatsoever state I am to be self-adapted. I have not, uh, I know, verse 12, I know how to adapt to prosperity. I know how to adapt to poverty. He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. How can I do this? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The context of that verse is not to help you be a, hit a home run in, fo- in baseball and run a touchdown in football. It's to help you deal with difficulties of life that you can't change, to be content. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So when it comes to, man, I, I, I want to I fuss, I want to complain, I want to, um, well, first of all, if I have something to communicate, I need to communicate it with, with a, not in the flesh, but you know, with a, a right attitude and calmly if I need to confront a neighbor. Secondly, if I just need to adapt, I, I just need, God, help me to learn to be content with um, 
the car that just doesn't work the best. Help me to learn to be content with, uh, you know, I sure would like to buy some more cabinets, and you know what, they're just expensive right now. I'll just try to fix those hinges. I'll just learn to be content with that. Quit complaining and murmuring. I just need to, I mean, Paul, look at him. He's in this. He learned to be content on a shipwrecked on an island. He learned to be content being in a house arrest. He learned to be content eventually in a, in a prison in the ground. And so I need to learn contentment. by we, How do I be content? How do I adapt? By prayer. One man said, if Christians spend as much time praying as they do grumbling, they would have nothing to grumble about. Prayer helps me. Uh, by acknowledging it could be worse. You ever heard the, well, it could be worse. We say that's funny, but that's actually true. You know, it could be worse. One man said, I complained because I had no shoes until a man, until I met a man who had no feet. Could be worse. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, as long as a man is alive and out of hell, he cannot have any cause to complain. That's, I told you that week, that fixes that. That's it right there. That's it right there. Whew. Need to learn to adapt. Number eight, last of all, communicate graciously. Even when you need to communicate a hurt, an injustice, a harm, try to communicate graciously. When Jesus was hanging up on a cross, he made some words, right? He uttered different phrases. You know, I thirst. Um, son, mother, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. Uh, woman, behold thy son. Uh, he made these, and you know, he, what he did, oh, the guy, one of the guys on left or right or whatever says, Lord, remember when, when you come into the kingdom? Do you know those two guys earlier were reviled him? Ah, why don't you save yourself? And then one of them had a change of heart and said, Lord, remember me when you come into the kingdom. And he said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. He didn't say, what are you talking about, you scoundrel? You see this up here, John? This is what I did for you. He didn't, he, he's not, do you, see, you hear the tone in Jesus, right? Even when he communicates in torture. Oh, look how he's communicating. They marveled at all the gracious words that came out of his mouth. Wow. Like one lady, one old lady, this auntie, older aunt in the family. They said, auntie, how's your health? She said, oh, I have so much to be thankful for. I only have two teeth left. But thank God they're opposite each other. <laughs> you know? Whew. Yeah, that's good. Boy, auntie. You know, that, that kind of attitude I'd like to rub off on me. You know? So I was at A.T. Still. A.T. Still is a dental school over here on Wrecker and... Um, Baseline, and uh, it's, it's pretty good. You, you pay less, but they take longer, but it's still good. So we were there the other day with Johnny and, um, uh, see, Jimmy and Johnny, which I had to do both of them that day. Anyways, it was the one, I think the later one with John. So we go, and I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting down in the waiting room. Uh, I'm sitting right here. There's a guy sitting right here, and uh, a few other people come in, and um, and, you know, you're wearing masks. It's kind of a standard thing, especially in a dental, medical facility. It's fine. Wear a mask. Sometimes I, I don't know it. I just put it, because I, I like to breathe. <laughs> you know, I'll put my nose like this. 
So I'll get a little, it'll be right under my nose and I'll breathe. And there was an, I was sitting there like that. There was another guy sitting there like that. And I didn't even think that I was like that. And, um, and this little lady comes in. She checks in and she's got her N95-27878910 mask. And so she's there and she's, that's good. That's fine. And she, she goes up, she checks in. And she, she's this little thing. She comes over and she sits down. Sits down. There's that guy there and there's a, me right there. And the one guy's sitting there, and he has his mask like that. And then finally, she stood up. She come over to him, and she squared. So she, she went over, she squared right up to him like this. She said, sir, I never saw this. I hear about this. Sir, you are not wearing your mask correctly. And he just sat there with his arms crossed and goes, he, he mumbled something. I don't know what he said, but he mumbled something to her. And then she said something back, and he says, are you vaccinated? She said, yes. He goes, my mask's not going to unvaccinate you. And she got a little fussy back at him. And then he didn't move. He just sat there. And when she said that, and I'm sitting over here, and she got fussy with him, and I was like. Let's <laughs> 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 pull it up a little bit. Come on, I don't want some of the little lady getting all fussy with me. But anyway, she walked around and sat. And I thought, oh, yeah, a little fussy here today. And then, and then, uh. Uh, I went out, so then I went, uh, we left, that, that, that incident was done, there was no other, no police showed up or anything, but we went down, <laughs> and I went out in the parking lot, and I walked out in the parking lot with Johnny, uh, Johnny went ahead to the, to the van, and I started walking to the parking lot, and, and so there's like some parking spaces like this, okay, open ones, and so I'm starting to walk, and this little car comes over, and I can hear this music, the Hispanic music. And it's coming, and, and this little lady, she's probably 56 years old. She's in her little Hispanic lady. She comes like this, and I, and I was walking, and, and she just, it's like she didn't see me. She goes right like this at me, and she went to turn. I'm like, whoa, I went like that. I went like that. She turned, and as she's turning, she saw me just the last minute. She goes, oh, like that. And she parked, and you can hear the music. And I was like, all right, all right. No big deal. So I was kind of sprawling out. That's my wrestling days. You sprawl, you know. And then I went over and, and I got in the van and I sat in the van I'm like, oh wait, I gotta walk back in for something. I couldn't remember what it is. When I walked back in, I'm like, you know, I'm gonna say something to her. And I walked back in. And I started walking back in. She got out of her car, started walking. And I said, hey, I was gonna say el toro, el toro, because <laughs> that's what you do when you're, you know, the the bull. So I was like, I thought she says, ah, she started laughing. She goes, that made my day. So I'll just try to diffuse it a little bit. Sometimes we just need to lighten up. That's what I'm saying. Lighten up a little bit. One thing we, so we can do without it. One thing we can't do without, as I said, you can't do life without Christ. Without me, you can do nothing, he says. Without me, of course, a person will never see the kingdom of God. We can do life without this. We can't do life or the next life without Christ. Are you doing life with too much murmuring? Let's, let's ask God to help you put that 